Chris Stoner is the owner of Baltimore Sports and Life. BSL is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. Other parts of BSL include the networking events Baltimore Metro Business Development, BMBD, the Business Development Group Paysetters, and the site Baltimore 2029, which aims to celebrate the best of Charm City as Baltimore nears its 300th anniversary. This show will be utilized for discussion on sports and Baltimore as a whole. Discuss the show at the BSL message board and check out the other BSL radio offerings. Welcome in. We're joined this afternoon by Jeff Ehrman, founder and publisher of Inside Maryland Sports, part of 24-7 Sports and CBS Interactive. Jeff, how you doing? Doing good, Chris. How are you? Well, thanks. Uh, I got football starting. Uh, we're going to get to that, but let's start with the hardwood. Uh, so when the 29-20 season was abruptly ended, Maryland was 24-7 and overall, including tied for league best 14-6 in Big Ten play, ranked 11th in the coaches' poll. Since that point, obviously plenty has changed. Callen's eligibility ended. Jalen's gone to the NBA. Uh, Lindo, Sorrell Smith, and uh, Tamayak all transferred. Uh, so I think if the season tipped off right now, I think a lot of people would project Maryland as a team that looks pretty uh, bubblicious. Uh, but we're we'll go through the roster and before we get through that. Kind of, kind of just to set the stage there. What's the uh, story on Yale's uh, Paul Atkinson, a uh, big there, going through the uh, uh, transfer portal? Yeah, he's a six ten big man from Florida. Uh, announced yesterday, or I should say um, Wednesday, that he was going to. Uh, he plans to graduate from Yale this year and transfer in the spring, which is pretty unusual to have a player announced at this time of year. I think that's probably somewhat due to the NCAA announcing that players will get an extra year of eligibility if they want it playing this season. So, you know, it's way off on him way early. He could play this season still and then do the recruiting process. Everyone is going to be after him. So, and Maryland will be one of a, a large crew of school recruiting him. So I wouldn't exactly add him to the roster yet, but he's just a name to keep in mind. Uh, we'll see if anything develops there. Let's go through the roster, what does exist. Uh, so in Ayala, Wiggins, Marcel, and Scott, you've got four starters back, a lot of experience. Uh, the guards, I think, I mean, Ayala and Wiggins, I think clearly they had strong freshman years, regressed a bit as uh, uh, sophomores, uh, at least uh, shooting-wise. So pretty high on both, particularly Wiggins. Uh, what do you think you have in that group? I mean, I think you have the makings of a solid core. You just there's some questions involved. One, you know, Wiggins has the makings of being your one A scorer, but can he step into that role? Last year, he preferred to come off the bench, which is unusual, and did pretty well. Didn't shoot nearly as well as his freshman year, but. You know, he's a guy who at times has been projected as a first-round pick, so he needs to prove that he is that guy, that, you know, lead scorer who can get you 15, 16, 17 a game. Uh, Eric Ayala has shown at times that he can be a really good Big Ten player, also struggled with his shot last year, has never been the full-time starting point guard. So, you know, you have the potential there of a good point guard, but, again, you don't know if he's built for that full-time. Uh, and then Daryl Morcel obviously has been kind of the heart and soul and glue guy of this team, and he'll continue to do those things. But can he uh, up his productivity and efficiency in a larger role? So 
got the pieces, but you also have a lot of questions about whether guys can step forward into larger, uh, larger roles. What about uh, Scott there in year two? What are you looking to see from him? Obviously, uh, undersized there in the front court, but uh, does have uh, does have some strength and does have a is has the ability to step out and shoot. What do you, what are you looking to see from him? Uh, progression year one, year two. Yeah, I like I like Dante Scott a lot. I mean, he's one of those guys who's just a natural. Uh, they call it some people call it athletic arrogance. He goes after the ball naturally. Uh, especially for a freshman he was very physical as the year went on he really started to come on late with his scoring can shoot outside can score going to the basket i think he's going to be he's a classic really good four-year college player you know whether he becomes a double digit scorer and seven eight rebounds a game kind of guy this year we'll see i think i do think he's got that potential though he he to me is one of their better recruiting steals that they've had in recent years if eligible, incoming BC transfer Jarius Hamilton, uh, he should help Maryland multiple ways. You get the added length, some scoring punch. Uh, him being eligible or not, to me, kind of swings Maryland's uh, uh, ceiling. What's the latest on, on his status? Yeah, that just keeps dragging on. He's uh, applied for waivers and I believe been denied twice already by the NCA. So he's got a third appeal going on right now. It's hard to imagine how you continue to turn a kid like him down because they're giving waivers out to everybody. Literally almost nobody is getting denied at this point. So they're really hopeful. Like you said, if they don't have him, that is a huge blow because the front court is so shaky. You know, he was a guy who was going to come in and play significant minutes, you know, maybe not start, but play, maybe be your six man, potentially play at the four and maybe a little bit at the five. So uh, that's a huge one to fall. I think they'll have an answer any day. One of the uh, bigs that does exist is Alabama transfer, Galen Smith, uh, major college experience. By all accounts, he's going to come in, willing to rebound, defend. Uh, you know, you're not looking for him to score, uh, but if he can do those things effectively, he can help, right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Galen Smith will help. You know, he's not going to be a big-time scorer. From what I understand, he's not a major rim protector, solid defensively, but he's not going to – block a ton of shots, but they feel like he's a lot better than his stats at Alabama show. They say he's got a nice little hook shot over each shoulder and can score a little bit, you know, even if you got, you know, seven or eight points a game and, you know, however many rebounds from him, that's still uh, a lot more than you were going to get from, you know, otherwise, because you really didn't have many big men coming back at all. Ricky Lindo, like you said, transferred, obviously Jalen Smith's gone. So and, and Sean Mario, we just have no idea what he's going to be. So, uh, you know, Smith should help some, but that's still the center spot is still a huge concern, in my opinion. Yeah, get back to Mario in a minute. That's obviously a huge story. Uh, but touch on the freshman guards. You got Dockery and Smart coming in, both uh, uh, a little bit unheralded. I mean, uh, I feel like Dockery, um, before he went to prep, there was a little bit more hype there. Uh, Smart seemed to get on radars late, and you could see the athleticism and all the, the tapes that are available. What do you think Maryland has of those two, and can either one of them provide a, uh, you know, both are look at the combo guards, but can they provide a solid backup one to Ayala? Yeah, these are lower-rated recruits than they usually take, but I think they feel like they got, you know, underrated players. Uh, Quan Smart, especially late, like you said, he came on 
uh, was looking, you know, really improved toward the end of his career. He's about 6'3", can really pass the ball. Shooting, I don't know. I think his shooting needs to come along some, but I think they feel like he's ready to help them immediately. Dockery, I think some people might have seen him as kind of a reach early on for Maryland. Like he might have been better on maybe at a lower level, but when I told he, I'm told he's grown a little bit. He looks really good in workouts lately. He's more of a combo though. I don't think you can play him at the point often, at least not early in his career. But you know, he he could add some scoring off the bench this year. So one of the other big options, another freshman came uh, late, was uh, Arnold Revez. I think I have that somewhat close. Uh, you know, I was uh, a little surprised looking at the video of him. He definitely saw more athleticism there than maybe I anticipated uh you know it's certainly going to be a transition for him to d1 ball but is he somebody that could play some minutes this year in reserve i think he's a um, he's an emergency option this year um you know he's i think he's been compared to maybe even bender a little bit before the injury when he was you know a solid guy to give you a few minutes here and there i don't expect he'll be playing major minutes this year he's just a long-term kind of developmental player. If he is playing this year, then that might point to some issues. Uh, another second-year guy, Hakeem Hart. He was a three-star out of Philly. Really raw as a freshman uh, with a year under his belt, more playing time available. You know, Is he ready to take a, a step and be more of a regular rotation piece? Yeah, they, that's one thing they've universally said for the past however many months is that Hakeem Hart – really has potential you know he's up to about six eight now as a guard last year like you said he struggled when he got in there he you know made made a few bad decisions took some bad shots got yanked quickly several times but he also showed early on pretty good ball handling and playmaking ability for a player his size i believe he was the youngest player in the big 10 last year i think everybody involves agrees that involved agrees that maybe he should have redshirted last year so People have kind of made up their decision on him, maybe like they did with Morcel when he struggled with his shooting as a freshman. But I think that they, that he could actually surprise people this year or, or maybe next year. So as you mentioned, uh, Mario, I mean, he's probably Maryland's uh, figuratively and literally the biggest storyline. So uh, once one of the top prospects in the country, you know, then, then injured at the end of his high school career and then missed first half of uh, season with Maryland. Um, we've all seen the highlights this summer of him running, you know, uh, kids my height at the Y. Uh, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I'm just happy to see that he was uh, playing and moving around. It's a big jump from that to being a uh, productive regular in the Big Ten, but, you know, you do see the skill set that is there. What are your thoughts? What what can we expect out, out of him this year? <laughs> yeah, it's really hard, Chris, to know what to expect out of him. You know, everybody knows the story by now, but he was a five-star recruit early in his career in high school and then had all these injuries. Um, you know, at 7'2", he, he's got a jump shot. He was, a, he was a prolific shot blocker in high school. They say he's moving better this year. Last year, obviously, he had the rods inserted into both of his shins and came back after that and had a few moments but overall you know just the timing looked off and offensively he looked a little bit locked so a lot of it I think is going to be mental now with him knowing where to play and then also obviously with the team the way teams play now he needs to show that he's quick enough to be able to step out and switch and do things like Jalen Smith did so 
clearly there's a raw potential there now, but nobody, I think, really knows what he is or whether he's going to pan out. So if you did get Hamilton uh, eligible, and, well, even if you don't, you know, it seems like Maryland, the way the roster is built, I mean, they're better uh, comprised to be able to run. Obviously, we've seen Turgeon's tenure. That's not something that he has uh, done a whole lot of. Uh, do you see Turgeon adjusting his style of play to fit the roster, or, or are we going to be uh, scratching our head with that all, all year? <laughs> Last year, um, for the first whatever it was, month or so, was, he's finally running, right? They were finally moving fast pace. We thought it was the year, and then they always tend to go back toward, you know, his kind of middling pace that he prefers, focus on defense and more deliberate offensively. I don't if, – if Hamilton's out and you have to play all these four-guard lineups, I don't know how you wouldn't run more. And it worked at times. It's worked at times. It's just, you know, coaches have their DNA, and it's extremely hard to get them – some of them to switch it up. So uh, if Hamilton's not in there, though, you're, you're looking at play, giving minutes to more minutes to Hakeem Hart and to the freshmen, and then you're smaller and, and you don't really have much at all in the post. So I don't see how you wouldn't have to at least ramp up your pace a little bit. But that's been, you know, we've seen nine years of the pace not really change that much. Yeah, I tend to agree there. Uh, looking ahead, uh, if we jump ahead to 21, um, 22, Maryland, uh, class of 21, 16th nationally, fourth in the Big Ten, three four-stars added in Reese, uh, Cornish, and Graham. Uh, of those three, who are you most excited about? That's a good question. Um, I would say James Graham. You know, he's the highest rated, at least according to 24-7 sports. I think, I think he's 53 or 56 in our rankings now. Uh, really skilled forward at six eight, you know, not a extremely uh, not a freak athlete, but can really shoot it. Has that mid range game, that kind of uh, Carmel Anthony style one on one game. So I think he's going to be really good. I also really like Ike Cornish. He's improved uh, tremendously in the past year or so. He's up to about six six, can really shoot. Um, and then Julian Reese also has some potential. I know they like him a lot. I think he's more of a long-term stock, though. I think the other two will help more right away, whereas Reese might need a year or two to put on some weight and continue to develop. But, you know, overall, I think they have the makings of, of one of Hurgeon's better class, classes. They still have to round it out, though, with at least one more player, maybe two. I think you still need a big man. And it's been pretty obvious from Turgeon's efforts that he wants to get another scorer, another guard who can score. Yes, yeah, so if you – I mean, obviously we've seen the college rosters can turn over fairly quickly, so some projections get wiped away. But just what currently exists and what's coming in, if you look at that 21-22 roster, I mean, it's uh, pretty deep throughout the – I mean, too deep for one to five. And then even uh, at the at the guards, I mean, you can have Smith and Hart really kind of as the as third string at one and two. So – um, yeah, a lot of promise potentially there. And you talk about rounding out the class. I mean, they've been, I know they've been looking at the IMG prospects, the pair of centers there. Are they in shape for either one of them? Right now, they're not. I wouldn't say they're really in the lead. There's no big man who I'd say, like, that's the guy they're going to get or that's the guy they're likely to get. I think, you know, they always tend to, I don't want to say rely, but they scour the transfer market pretty heavily. So it might not be a spring who we know who they're going to get. Um, but the, 
there's no real guy. And the, and the other thing is recruiting hasn't really has been kind of slow lately just because of COVID-19 and the campus shutdown. You know, you haven't had, been able to have a recruit on campus for seven months or whatever it's been. And, and that'll continue at least through the end of this year. So that's slowed things down a little bit. Um, so it's going to be a while, I think, before we know who's next. All right, we'll pivot over to football. Uh, we got a season actually starting this uh, weekend uh, at Northwestern Saturday night. Uh, before we get to the quarterbacks and skill positions, let's really start with with uh, Maryland's offensive line. Obviously got some good news this week with uh, Fontaine opting back in uh, from left to right, and then we're going uh, Duncan, Branch, Jordan, Minor, and Spencer Anderson on the uh, – uh, line to start, and then I guess uh, Bradley, Gregory, and uh, Lunsford uh, there in reserve until we see uh, how long it takes Fontaine to work his way back in. So uh, what are we thinking of the group there? Can they be closer to a league average offensive line this year? Huh. League average would be great, wouldn't it, after seeing what they've had the past <laughs> few years? Um, I don't know if they can be. I know that that's their biggest position of concern. Loxley feels like he's got three or four guys he can rely on, but, you know, those are also mostly the same guys who were on the line last year that struggled. So, um, you know, Jalen Duncan, you've got an NFL prospect. They feel like he's starting to come into that role, and he's a guy for them. Uh, losing Fontaine originally, now having him back is nice. He would have probably been their second-best lineman. I'm told it's going to be probably quite a while before he's in game shape, though, so he's not going to help anytime soon he could help later in the season and and it's nice to have him moving forward um they like spencer anderson at right tackle they think he can be good but he's also unproven and young and obviously the juco recruits they brought in are supposed to help but you know overall you're relying on many of the same guys you had last year to be better than they already were and then you're relying on young guys to provide depth and depth is actually Loxley's biggest concern because once you get past that starting lineup and those experienced guys, you don't have anybody really proven. Uh, maybe the second year in a in a system and some familiarity there, maybe that'll help. But yeah, I kind of look at it the same. Uh, receiver wise, a lot of optimism there. Got a lot of depth, a lot of explosion between uh, Jones returning, Demas, Cobbs, and obviously the highly regarded uh, freshman Akeem uh, Jarrett. Uh, talk about the, the receivers. Uh, I think the receivers are their best unit on the team. You know, when you have a five-star like Rakeem Jarrett come in and he's not even in the starting lineup, you know, when you look back at like Stefan Diggs came in, he was their top guy right away. Not to say Rakeem Jarrett is Stefan Diggs, but the, he's almost as highly ranked. Um, Dante Demas, I think, is an NFL prospect. If he can show more consistency than last year, he had some issues with drops. But also at his size, with his speed, uh, you know, he's a frontline Big Ten playmaker potentially. Daryl Jones is a guy who didn't earn a starting spot, but I think can be a factor too. He's probably the fastest player on the field. Jay Sean Jones, everybody remembers that Texas debut where he scored uh, three different three touchdowns in three different ways in his debut. Um, you know, I don't know if that you know he's going to be that guy, uh, that kind of superstar, but they like him a lot. Um, Brian Cobbs is another veteran. Carlos Carrier is another veteran. And then they really like the other freshman, Nick DiGennaro, who's not even listed on the 2D just because of the depth there. So, you know, none of these guys are proven superstars. Demas was a really good player last year, had, I think, 650 yards and six touchdowns. But overall, they've got, I think, their deepest 
receiver core in, in several years. At running back, McFarland and Leak, they go uh, leave for the pros, but you got Fleet Davis, Funk, uh, and then the two freshmen, Penny Boone and Isaiah Jacobs. So it looks like you still have a quality uh, group there. Yeah, I mean, you have, I think, the makings of a good platoon. You don't have anyone who's proven as a 1A guy, which is unusual for Maryland when you look back over the past several years. You've always had that Leak, McFarland, Ty Johnson before them, and uh, you don't have that this year. You know, they like Jake Funk. He's like a Swiss Army knife kind of guy. Averages six yards per carry in his career. Some of that was against, you know, kind of in mop-up duty or against lesser teams. So we'll see if he can live up to that. He's the, you know, he's kind of their veteran, uh, cliche, gritty, you know, coach on the field kind of guy. Best blocker out of the backfield. Can make some plays in the passing game. But, you know, they also are really high on the freshman, Isaiah Jacobs. He's up to 220 pounds. Uh, Funk actually raved about him in uh, an interview the other day. And then Penny Boone is a 245-pound bust. They, you know, just uh, not as fast, obviously, but really productive four-star player from Detroit. Uh, so, you know, overall, I think all four of those guys will get carries. That Anyone will have a chance to move their way up into that number one spot. But until then, it'll be Funk's job. And, you just hope that you can get solid productivity, even if you're not getting, you know, a consistent home run threat. So you got uh, tight end, and then we lost uh, Conquo to a medical condition, but you got the two defensive players that moved over, uh, and it looks like it's Tyler Baylor's uh, job to start. Um, we're going to see the tight ends on the field, or you just figure with all of the depth at, at wide receiver, they're just going to uh, keep an extra receiver on the field and – spread them out that way <laughs> yeah tight ends a concern because loxley loves tight ends he loves using them but he doesn't have a, a known commodity there at all now with the conquo being out you know he's been cleared or will be cleared soon to practice but i don't know i i wouldn't expect him necessarily to be on the field anytime soon so like you said tyler Baylor won the job he's the grandson of elgin Baylor, nba hall of famer he's the most athletic of the bunch you know, whether he's ready now after just moving from defensive end, you know, a month or so ago, there's no telling. He beat out Malik Jackson, who's the only original tight end out of the three. Cam Blunt was the other defensive player who moved from to tight end from defense. So uh, that is a huge question mark. You just I think if you're Loxley, you know, you don't have a star there. You just hope these guys are capable, basically, you know, making the right plays, blocking and adding an occasional catch. Before we get to the defense, we'll wrap up the offense. Obviously, with the quarterbacks, uh, we got Lance Talia. Uh, it looks like uh, Talia is going to be the uh, starter. Um, but it's Maryland, so you figure both are going to wind up playing this year and uh, maybe we'll also wind up seeing uh, uh, the uh, several freshmen uh, you know, preferred walk-ons. Uh, just starting with – uh, with the starters there, or the two at the top, what do you think Maryland has, and can Maryland get again just some production out of the passing game this year? They really like Talia. They've, you know, they've emphasized he's not Tua. People are naturally going to expect him to be Tua, and he's not. But very few are, you know, number five draft pick. Not many guys can mirror that. But you know, they like him. They think he's got a lot of poise. He's a leader. He's able to move around enough to maybe offset if there's offensive line issues, make plays with his feet a little bit. He's clearly the starter right now, even though Loxley hasn't come out and named him the starter. I think he will get LeJean into the games to run some, if you remember the Portis package 
back in the day under Ralph Friedgen to come in the game, make some plays with his feet. But, you know, they, they like what they have. I think he's got the potential to be their best quarterback they've had in uh, several years. And obviously, that's a pretty low bar when you're talking about Maryland football. But if the offensive line can keep him upright, I think he's a capable Big Ten starter, which is a mouthful not only because it's Maryland, but also because he's never really played in college football. He got a few snaps at Alabama, and that was it. Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine in the Maryland offense where they can keep the quarterback upright, get league average production there and on the offensive line and allow the, the skill position to really, uh, uh, you know, flourish and be utilized. So uh, fingers crossed. So moving across the defensive line, uh, you got the NC State transfer, uh, uh, Boltepelli, uh, Rogers, and then at the nose, you got, uh, you know, Juco transfer, uh, another – tackle another juco and a seal kite and uh Kunino, uh yeah i'm sorry there uh, but, <laughs> but uh d-line it looks like they've added some weight and juco's have added some size some experience you know similar to the offensive line can they be less bullied uh this year can they be do you think they can stand up and be again closer to the league average line I think they can be a little better. Fanau adds a lot of size in the middle. Uh, you know, Olu, Olu Watimi, who started last year, actually just announced he was already opting out of this year, has now announced he's going to transfer elsewhere. Uh, you know, he was kind of a grinder, but he former walk-on, 5'11", 297 pounds. That's tough as a nose tackle in a 3-4 defense. Now you bring in Fanau, who's th- like 325, big guy. Uh, you mentioned Lotez Rogers. Loxley has talked about how he thinks he's finally ready to come into his own after several years in the program. And Bolotabelli, I think, is going to be one of their best pass rushers. You know, he's shown that in the past. You know, whether he can be a guy coming right out of the gate after, you know, playing a decent amount at NC State, but not establishing himself as a frontline starter. You know, I think th- there's the makings of an improvement, improved defensive line there, but. Uh, there's again, kind of like some of these other positions we've talked about, you don't have the proven commodities at a uh, linebacker, at least in the Mike Maryland looks pretty, uh, strong there with Campbell, uh, Hippolyte and, uh, Shaq Smith Talk about, uh, you know, them a little bit, but the linebacker in general, uh, and then, you know, between the, the Jack and the will and the Sam, uh, you know, what, what you feel Maryland has, what are the strengths of the unit? What are the, uh, questions going into the year? Yeah, I think that's one of the uh, strongest units on the team, kind of the defensive version of the wide receivers. Like you said, that jack spot is pretty stacked. Chance Campbell's a really good player. Uh, Ruben Hippolyte is one of the most impressive freshmen they have. He was a four-star Florida kid who all kinds of heavy hitters tried to come in and steal away from Maryland. And then you have Shaq Smith, who was an even higher rate of recruit coming out of high school, which, as we know, doesn't guarantee anything, but, you know, transferred from Clemson. You have him as your number three guy there. So, you know, there, there's really a lot of talent at linebacker. Fanage Gote is another guy, another Florida guy who really impressed them in camp and surprised by winning a starting job. Uh, I think it's at the other spot where you have Ahmad McCullough, kind of a little little bit under unknown uh, former Juco player. You've got him, him listed as a starter. That's the only spot that to me is a question mark, but overall uh, defensively, there's no question the line linebackers are deepest spot. In the secondary, uh, you know, feeling pretty good about the safety position with uh, Cross and Richardson and, uh, and even Mosley coming back, but uh, 
something about the uh, corners, you know, Banks and uh, still on one side, and then uh, Jacorian Bennett and Kenny Bennett on the other. Jacorian Bennett, I think they feel like was their biggest steal of the recruiting class. He's maybe their best cornerback right out of the gate as a junior college transfer. Uh, on the other side, Deontay Banks, they feel like is one of their best NFL prospects on the team, sophomore who played a lot as a true freshman. Several cornerbacks were forced into playing as a true as true freshman last year. He was the one guy who who did not, you know, experience trial by fire and had a lot of good moments. So they feel like they've got two potentially really good cornerbacks there starting. Uh, the problem there is again depth. There's not much proven behind them. Kenny Bennett's a veteran who hasn't really distinguished himself yet. Uh, they really like freshman Tarheeb Still, kid from New Jersey. They think he's going to be really good, so he'll probably be in that top four. But, you know, there's there's potential for two really good corners if they live up to what the staff expects of them, but you better stay healthy because there's not much behind them. So nine-game Big Ten slate, uh, not a lot of easy weeks, but, uh, you know, all right, you're not expecting to win at Penn State. You're not ex- expecting to win uh, versus Ohio State. Uh, but I see a lot of games that even if you are in favor, that Maryland should be relatively competitive in. Uh, what, what does Maryland need to achieve this year, year two of the Loxley year? Just show improvement. You know, it's, people keep asking me how many wins. It's hard to put a number on it because normally you'd have those non-conference games to factor in there and say, oh, you get the – Four or five, that's really good. But with only, you know, eight conference games and not um, not many breaks on the schedule, you know, it's hard to say what number is good. But I think they need to improve, not get blown out as much as last year as they did in that string of games to end the season with the exception of Michigan State. Um, so really this is kind of the awkward stage year, I think, of the growth process for Loxley. He calls it year 0.5 basically because he didn't like what he inherited in the program. He's flushed, you know, not necessarily all these kids left on their own, both in terms of as players and character wise, personality wise, work ethic. So he's rebuilt basically half the roster and you'll have a lot of young guys. So basically you just want to see improvement and you want to see these younger guys show what they can do in the future. So you have some hope moving forward. Yeah. I think that's a great way to look at it, Jeff. You're just looking for a development of the players that are going to be, comprise your roster going forward, and you want to show that you can be competitive and belong on the field, whether you're ready to win or not. Uh, looking ahead, Class 21, Maryland ranked 19th nationally, fourth in the Big Ten. There are 20 commits already. Uh, how many uh, do you think they're going to take in that class? Uh, you know, I think 20. Early on, it was I heard it was around going to be 22, 23. I think you've had a guy or two leave since then, so I can see them taking about 25 guys. So lots of uh, DL line talent, uh, you know, four or four stars there. Uh, you know, it's always a transition for linemen into, from uh, high school to college, but those guys are going to be highly regarded and Maryland's going to have a need. Do you think uh, any of those guys, Robinson, Bradley, Johnson, and uh, I'm going to go Tommy A, uh, do you think any of them have a chance to uh, come in next year and and factor, you know, let's say into the immediate too deep there on the line. Yeah, I think they'll all have a chance. I wouldn't be surprised to see several of them on the too deep just because they're so much more talented than some of the players who've been coming in at that position in recent years. Uh, they have three of the top 
20 defensive tackles in the country are committed in Maryland's class, which is huge, obviously, especially in the Big Ten. Uh, the highest rated is Damian Robinson, who you mentioned, the defensive end. You know, one of the best pass rushers in the country. I wouldn't be surprised if he started right out of the gate. So that, that class is huge for them. They have completely addressed the defensive line needs. Basically, you know, you can't assume all these guys are going to pan out, but this is the most talented defensive line class I've ever seen Maryland sign. Now they need to focus on getting some offensive line. So as we wrap up, I just want to ask, you know, uh, what has the year been like for, for you, Jeff? I mean, obviously uh, Maryland's basketball season ends in March, and, and you cite you do such a great job with uh, uh, recruiting and news, but, you know, and news was pretty limited for, 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 for a while there. And then you have uh, football, uh, you know, we knew all summer was uh, touch and go whether there was going to be a season, and then it was announced that there wasn't going to be a Big Ten season, and obviously it's that's changed. But you know, what has the months been like? Uh, been like for you? How, how have you uh, how have you handled this? And uh, what's it been like for the site? And how are you doing right now? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to complain too much because you know I'm still sitting at home writing about sports most of the time, so that's still cool. Um, there were a lot of former player profile, where are they now kind of deals and uh, top five shooting guards in Maryland history and top left-handed long snappers in Maryland history and stories like that for a while. And then we thought football wouldn't be coming this fall. So I was thinking, oh, this is going to be a serious stretch to get to basketball. But, um, you know, we, we made it through. We still, there's always something to write about if you look far enough. Unfortunately, our Fans and subscribers are, are have supported the site, and they're diehard enough that they, if there's something good to read, then they'll always keep coming on. So, you know, I think um, all things considered, when you look at what, you know, actual brick and mortar businesses and places like that have had to go through, we've been, we've been pretty lucky, and I'm just really excited to have actual games to write about again. Yeah, that'd be fun. But Jeff, uh, congrats to you on what you've built with. Uh inside Maryland sports and, you know, just uh, really respect your hustle, the analysis you provide and just the, uh, your constant drive. So congrats to you there. Uh, and uh, also always enjoy your uh, Facebook commentary, even though I don't always uh, chime in, I always agree. So uh, with, uh, uh, we're aligned we're there, man. So, my thanks for uh, taking the time to join us and your thoughts there, and uh, let's enjoy Saturday night and actual uh, return to some live sports, man. <laughs> Sounds great. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, brother.